Welcome to the Go After Your Passion podcast with Christina Crowley. Live a life you love. If not now, when? Here's Christina. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. And today I have with me uh, Jamal Maxim. He is a business strategist that helps leaders lead their organizations like a champion. He's known for his ability to plan strategically, helping leaders to create action steps to accomplish their vision, develop other leaders, and develop their teams. And he helps leaders increase the impact of organizations through the development of people and processes. Uh, Jamal, welcome. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be here. It's an honor. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And uh, so tell us a bit about yourself. Well, you know, um, like you should said, my name is Jamal, and I am very passionate about developing leaders. You know, I like to help leaders grow, you know, into their full potential as a leader and their authentic style of leadership. You know, I just really, really care about people in leadership positions. Um, just leading is a challenging thing to do. It's challenging no matter what aspect of leadership you are in, whether you're leading the principal leader or whether you're following someone and, you know, helping them lead, whatever the case is, it's, it's a challenging situation itself. So what I do is I, um, I really just help them develop, help them grow and help them feel supported and along with helping them strategize. And so that's what I do. I do that full time been doing it full time now for three months, three or four months. Um, it was, it was part time while I served as a school principal. Um, I was a school principal for, for almost, wow, a long time, almost 10 years. And I developed leaders on the side part time. Um, cause I wanted to make sure that I was the best principal I could be. So I couldn't, I was trying to help other leaders, but couldn't do it as much as I wanted to, because um, I wanted to make sure that I was developing teachers, you know, being there for the students and parents and just helping facilitate effective education for the kids that needed it and deserved it. And so, but recently I made the transition and now this is what I do full time. That's, that sounds yeah. wonderful. You're really walking the walk. Yeah. Yeah. What inspired you to take, you know, take the route towards this passion of yours? Well, I've always found myself in leadership positions, even since I was 16. You know, I had my first leadership position as a 16 year old kid at a Burger King managing adults and my peers. And the funny thing is I only went to work there initially because my friends were working there, you know, because they were talking about what was happening at work and class. And I'm sitting here thinking, I don't have a job. You know, I should go work at Burger King. Not, not even realizing technically I did have a job because I was cutting folks grass as an entrepreneur. You know, I had a truck and I was driving around the city cutting grass. And so, but I gave up entrepreneurship at 16 to go work at Burger King because my friends were there mm -hmm. and became a manager. My friends left, but I, but I kind of stayed for a while. And, you know, that was my first thing that I did as a leader. And I just found throughout my life, I've always been in positions where people have 
come to me or I was in positions of influencing other people. I wasn't like the most popular person in school. So it wasn't like that. Cause you know, in school you have like the real popular people. I, it wasn't that, but it was the sense of, I, all, I knew everyone and I was well known for some things that I've, that I've done, but I, I always knew people. I always was the guy that always acknowledged people, helped people and people came to me for certain stuff. And so, and that's just been the trajectory trajectory of my life. And I've done it. Um, it, it took, it's taken many different forms. It's many different shapes. I know there are people who have had multiple careers because they were trying to figure out and find themselves and really lock into their passion. You know, for the most part, I knew what I should do, but didn't know exactly how. I knew I wanted to help people. I knew I wanted to help people live to their fullest potential, but I didn't really know how. And so that kind of, kind of got me going. That, that's, that's really interesting. And what are some of the challenges that you faced along the way? Well, it was really, again, just honing into the how, because I, um, I, I knew, it's funny, I gave up entrepreneurship at 16, but knew I'm knew I was supposed to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And so I went down this leadership track and, you know, I thought it was going to be an entrepreneur doing music because I was I had done music my entire life, but um, just really finding that place and finding the truest expression of my passion. And so I went, went into business, you know, thinking, okay, I'm going to do this business thing and then ultimately have my own business and didn't like that because I couldn't be as creative as I wanted to be in the setting I was in. And I felt like I wasn't really making an impact or helping people shifted from that to law enforcement and I only did that for a year I went through the academy was the top of the class and was on the road in the city I grew up in and it was extremely fun because you know the adrenaline is pumping I was in the car chase at least once or twice a week so I felt like I was living the dream like I was on tv you know driving fast cars and you know and aside from the that pure enjoyment you know the adrenaline rush I found that I wasn't making the impact that I wanted to, which was weird. You would think as a law enforcement officer mm -hmm. that you're making an impact, you're helping people. But I found it was too reactive. And I found that by the time I re had to respond, it was very cut and dry. You did this, you got to go jail. You, you know, that kind of situation. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was like, I'm not making an impact that I want. So I want to help people, one, learn how to think and learn how to be make decisions and I wanted to be on a proactive end of it and I wanted to help people grow and develop and I found that law enforcement wasn't doing that so I left there and really just took some moments to try to figure out okay what are my next steps how do I really express this passion and then from there I, um, I managed the subway briefly to provide for home Mm -hmm. and a Subway restaurant. And while at Subway, you know, I discovered, okay, I really need to be in teaching because I, I did some substitute teaching, you know, for um, the school district that I graduated from. And one of my former teachers, you know, called me, was like, hey, I know you do music. You know, I did music all through school and continued it. 
It was like, we need you to substitute for these music classes. I can't find anyone. And so that really started me in education. And I found that teaching was the expression that I needed at the time because I was helping people grow, helping people develop, helping them. So I wasn't just teaching the music. I was able to really pour into their hearts and really able to, to talk to them. And so I found that that was the expression I needed. And so once I started as a substitute, then I began to pursue, you know, of course, getting the teaching license and becoming a certified teacher and getting into the classroom. And so the challenge for me was really locking in. And once I locked into the right expression of my passion, you know, of course, you know, there were challenges of, you know, the schoolwork and time challenges. And of course, teaching in a classroom is challenging in itself. But I viewed those things as being a part of the territory. And I viewed them as not challenges that were like hindrances, but challenges as of, okay, this kid is difficult, but I'm going to break through. And so it was more of opportunities for me to be creative and to try to connect differently and on a different level. What are some of the main lessons that you, that you learned or maybe you returned to you know, through those challenges, what, what would you say, uh, you know, those were? Well, I will say, you know, the main things is I learned to continue to pursue. Um, when you're passionate about something, you have to pursue it and you have to continue to pursue and you have to think about what, how to express your passion. Because if I would have given up, I wouldn't have become an educator, wouldn't have become a principal. And I don't believe I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. Because initially, I was looking for a school where I could earn my teaching certificate without starting over, because I had already completed four years of education, had a degree in business, and it was like, I don't want student loans. I don't want to don't want to start over and go to school for another four years. And so I kept looking and I, and at first I didn't find anything and I was, you know, and I was tempted to just say, well, forget it. I'm just going to try to go back into the business world. But I ended up finding, you know, things just kept falling into place as I continued to pursue. You know, I went from being a substitute where I was, you know, permanently filling in because they didn't have a teacher to them to go into a school where they created the position for me to, to be like what's called a building substitute where I was there every day. And so whether all the teachers were there or not, I was still there every day working. And then I found a school, um, Liberty University, which had the program I was looking for, which allowed me to go to school for two years, get a master's degree in education with the initial teaching license and gave me everything I needed. So while working as a building sub, a position that was created for me, I was going to school, still providing for my family, and all of the field experience that was required, because every class at Liberty required some type of field experience and hours in the school, all of those things I was able to complete throughout the course of my job. So I didn't have to take time off. I didn't have to, you know, have a reduction in pay because you know substitute teachers are paid a daily rate there's not like a salary situation and so things just fell into place and once i 
finished school, I immediately was able to find a position. Now, it wasn't the position I wanted because in the school where the position was created for me, they were telling me, you know, once you finish, you know, we have a position for you. Once you're done, we can hire you, hire you in. And when I was finished, there was a position that I would have been a perfect fit for teaching technology. And, but they gave it to someone else. They, I didn't even have the opportunity to interview for it. It was like, this position is available. This person has it. And I was like, what the heck? (laughs) And so, you know, I could have been discouraged and then, but I continue to just keep looking because now at that point it's like, okay, I've come too far to turn around. I have a teaching license. I'm getting a teaching job and I know what, I know what the starting salary and everything is supposed to be. I'm just, I'm not going to stop until I get that. And yeah, so I kept going. Uh, you know, it because in, in listening to you, it sounds like uh, resilience and, you know, faith are kind of what pushed you forward. Absolutely. Um, you know, I have three words that I use as a phrase, you know, faith, focus, and fortitude. You know, I have to believe, I have to be focused in on my goal, and I have to have fortitude, that mental toughness, in order to continue to go after the goal. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's what happened. And, and it's funny because, you know, before we started recording, I was telling you where I live, but that's how I got to Cincinnati is because there was a position at a sister school um, here in Cincinnati. And, and I actually wasn't, didn't know it was available. There was a different position available that my wife was thinking about transferring into so I drove her down to Cincinnati because I lived in the Detroit area in Michigan. So I drove her down here and she walked through the school and, you know, looked at it while the entire time I am pressing into having my own position. I'm walking with her to, as she's viewing a potential transfer position because she was already a teacher and she was moving into administration as well. And so we walked through and my wife made a comment at the end and says, hey, my husband just got his teaching license and he can teach technology. He can teach this. Do you know of any schools that need that? And they said, we need that. And they (laughs) basically had her leave the room and interviewed me on the spot. Now, I wasn't dressed for an interview because I was just a driver. You know, I was just a guy who was driving four and a half hours because I didn't want my wife driving here by herself to a strange city. And so I was nowhere dressed for an interview. And the funny thing is the principal from the school where I worked in, in Michigan, he was helping train the principal at the school here in in Ohio, in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting in an interview, the rest of the you know, the deans and administrators are taking turns asking me questions. That principal didn't ask a single question because he knew me and every answer I gave, he pulled out his phone and showed the picture of evidence of my work. And I, I didn't realize he took, he took that many pictures. He was, he was just that kind of guy who was friendly anyway and took pictures, but I didn't realize he had that many. So every answer, he showed a picture on his phone. He was like, yeah, this is Jamal doing this. This is Jamal doing that. And so... I left there and received an offer like a week later, which got me to Cincinnati in a, in a teaching position. 
had my wife in an administrative position, which then set me on a trajectory to become a principal. Because after being in the school and just naturally taking on leadership responsibilities, mm -hmm. I began to take on more and more and then pursue becoming a principal. But if I would not have continued to pursue I, and have given up, I wouldn't have been here in Cincinnati. I wouldn't have become the principal. In the, and being a principal, which ultimately led me to doing what I do now in leadership development. So all of these things were like one open the door for the next. And if yeah. I would have stopped at any one place, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I wouldn't be push, pressing into what I'm pressing into as I continue to go forward. And so the path hasn't been a straight path, but you know, you, it, what I find with people who I talk to about their passion and, and leaders and people who they, you know, they do, they have a setback, but yet then they just go towards the next step. And, and that, that no, or whatever they thought was a setback really was pushing them forward to where they're supposed to be. Is that, is that, is that kind of maybe accurate for you? Oh, absolutely. And it's still happening. <laughs> it happened in the past and it's still happening. And, and I believe that's the case because we have this romanticized view of pursuing our passion of really everything. We think everything is romanticized. You know, when we think about our passion, when we think about leaders becoming a leader, when we think about starting a business, when we think about marriages, buying houses, having kids, it's all romanticized because we see it on TV and see the way it's, you know, the way those talented writers paint it, but it's totally different than reality. And so we all think it's going to be a straight shot. I'm going to pursue it. It's going to happen. It's going to be great. I'm going to achieve greatness. I'm going to make an impact. I'm going to have fulfilling, fulfilling life full of joy, but we don't, it's, but it's often a winding road and it's often a road where as we are moving forward, things don't turn out the way we anticipate or how we think they should have. But then that thing, as you said, that thing that didn't turn out the way we want end up being the fuel that pushes us into where we should be because we didn't know exactly what it should look like. And even the image that we had was, excuse me, was a lesser version of what we were supposed to be doing. And so, yeah, it's that way. It winds and it and it pushes us into a greater version than what we initially dreamed and thought so that we can be where we're supposed to be. And when it comes to leaders, what is it that, you know, regular, you know, anybody who comes to you, what is it that you, is there anything you see that you have to uh, teaching all of them or is there is there one thread amongst them that you find that you have to keep instilling in people to make them leaders to develop that in them uh, what is it about you know what and you know kind of what is it about your work that keeps you doing what you're doing well for me it's helping people fulfill their their vision fulfill their purpose that's really the driver and for me that's like my fuel to help somebody fulfill their purpose and to live to their full potential. That's the thing that really keeps me going. But I would say the most common thread that I find with leaders in general is helping them be authentic. You know, I find that, and I dealt with that too, when I started as a principal, we try to be something because we think leaders have to be a certain way. 
we think leaders have to dress a certain way, look a certain way, talk a certain way. And so it's one of those things where I have to help them, you know, shed through all of that, that they, that they put on and took upon themselves to be authentic. You know, when you're leading, you have to be you so that people can connect with you. And if you're trying too hard, trying to have the right answers or trying to present yourself the right way, people feel that and they, and they don't know what, it's, what it is. They'll just say there's something about him that just doesn't vibe or something about her that just doesn't vibe or it seemed like they're trying to have the right answers that make me not trust them. And so it's, and so they feel that. And so they don't really buy into the person's leadership. And so my comment thread is authenticity. You know, you, we read books, we listen to podcasts, we study all these different styles of leadership. And then we say, well, I need to be a servant leader because that's what everybody's saying is the best style of leadership, or I need to be this, or I need to be that. And instead of saying these different styles that people have discovered are really strategies. And I will use a strategy like a tool when it's needed. And I have to learn the things that I'm learning about leadership. I have to learn them in response to or in alignment with my personality. So I have to figure out how am I wired? What's my unique DNA? This is going to come across in my leadership. And how do I take this information I'm learning about leadership and make that a part of my DNA? Or how do I express it in a part of who I am? I understand who I am. I grow as an individual, but I never lose sight of my core being. I only shed the part that life has put on me that wasn't supposed to be a part of me anyway. That, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. What is the type of a, of a client, of a person that seeks you out or, or should seek you out? Well, anyone in a leadership position basically should seek me out. But most of the time I'm finding um, small business owners, people who are scaling their business, you know, getting employees for the first time, or if they have a team of people, but hasn't grown to the point where they have, you know, more than 50 or to a hundred. And so it's those people that are in between that are, that are trying to transition into leading, but are, are unsure how to lead or are unsure how to develop a team or grow a team. You know, those are the people who I'm, who I find myself gravitating to the most because they're the ones who are in their business. They're experiencing frustration they secretly want to quit, but don't say it, but they feel it. They're dealing with, they feel like they're trapped in other people's perception of how they should be as a leader, where they're stuck in the friend zone. I call it the BFF leader because they, they were too friendly at the beginning, trying to establish relationship. And now their team doesn't really respect them as a visionary, but they don't want to be like this mean person to try to get them to listen. So, you know, those type of leaders who are just trying to find their way, struggling to connect, struggling to really delegate and are really in that in-between place that once they unlock their leadership, it'll take them to the next level as an individual and at, in their business. Now, if there's somebody listening to this, is I just, I thought of this when you were saying that, is there a, is there any happy medium between the boss being friendly and, and being the boss? I mean, does the, you know, people think of the boss as, uh, the, everybody hates the man, 
uh, is there a, a happy medium and is that teachable? Yes, absolutely. There's a happy medium. The yes is teachable because there is a balance. And to me, everything is about balance or alignment. There is a balance between being the leader and being the visionary and say, and holding people accountable for their performance. Because when you're leading a business or an organization, the whole point of, of you coming together with your team is to accomplish the vision of that business or organization. Now, if it's a for-profit business, of course, profits are involved, but it's not the sole purpose of a business, you know, and so, but you have to make money too in order to do it. So you got to watch profit margins and things like that. And so there's a line between holding people accountable for performance because you are paying them and compensating them to perform a task and to utilize their skill set, but you have to treat them people right. You have to treat people like people. You have to treat people for the value that they are as a human being, not just for what they can do. They're not a machine. And so you have to be able to connect with people for who they are, be grateful for what they do and what, for what they bring. Now, even though they get paid, but just because they get paid doesn't mean you can't be have gratitude and be appreciative and connect with people. And so there's that balance of I'm going to connect with you, have a relationship with you and value you simply because of who you are, as well as what you bring to the table. And at the same time, I have to understand that we're here to accomplish something and I have to hold you accountable for that. I have to keep you on task because that's my responsibility in the team. My responsibility is to be the visionary and to help you support you as well as hold you accountable. And so there's that balance with that because I believe it has to be a balanced approach. Um, one of the things I talk about with the clients I work with, I call it a holistic or a balanced approach to leadership, which is being authentic within yourself, connecting with people and developing them, and then having business strategy and procedures in place. And so all of these things play a, a total picture of how you should really operate as a leader. You have to be you, you have to have business procedures and strategy and things like that. But you also have to have people that you can connect with genuinely and really help develop them and help them grow and help them have a sense of fulfillment. And so when you have all of those pieces together, you know, you can accomplish anything really. Yeah, I totally, yeah. I agree with you. And, you know, with your passion being leadership, um, what is, is, is there anything we just, we haven't touched on yet? Because I don't know what I don't know. <laughs> and so what about leadership have we maybe not touched on today that, you know, you think uh, somebody should know? Well, we kind of touched on it. I think, again, it's all about being authentic. It's about taking what's learned. Because there are a lot of good leadership teachers out there. You know, I draw from a lot of them myself. And, but I recognize the need for authenticity. And I recognize the need for, um, for myself, I put this quote out that says, sooner or later, you're going to have to be the creator of content and not just a regurgitator. And so I find that there's a need, a desperate need for authentic leadership, because there are a lot of people who are just regurgitating what's already out there. Now, there's good information out there, but the problem is, and I saw this in education, if we only encourage 
quoting and regurgitation and reteaching of what's there. When does new knowledge become our normal? You know, in, in education, that was a thing, especially at college level. It was like, if my paper didn't have so many quotes written in APA format, then I didn't get a certain score. And it would, and for, I used to question my professors a lot and say, well, is, aren't I supposed to learn how, aren't, I'm supposed to learn how to think. Aren't I supposed to present my thoughts based upon the material, not just find sources to cite to support my thought? When can my thought just be enough? And so yeah. I find in leadership, it's the same thing. And I try to tell people your thought, your perspective, your experience has to, is okay and is enough. It doesn't matter if you've read a thousand Simon Sinek books or a thousand John Maxwell books because their material is great, but they had to get their material from somewhere. They had to be the ones to be authentic and release their voice and leadership. And so now I tell leaders, now is your turn to release your voice. Yes, learn from people you can, but you have to make it your own, but also add your own experience, your own knowledge, your own skill set, and your your unique you to have your voice heard and your style be the thing. And so I feel like that's the thing in leadership. It's all about authenticity. And as we grow, we don't try to copy and regurgitate. We allow ourselves to grow and evolve into who we are on the inside and make that a reflection on the outside. Yeah, I, I, that's wonderful. Now, if, if someone's inspired by you today or if somebody is listening and, and sees themselves uh, either in need of you or inspired by you, how do they find out more? Yeah, they can um, contact me. My website is jamalmaxim.org, um, just my first and last name.org. And they can go to my website. They can read information about what I do more information about me. They can also, um, I have leadership tips that I put on my website, on my blog, um, on a weekly basis, and that'll help them. But they also can can get to my calendar and just schedule a 30-minute strategy session. You know, I offer a free 30-minute, I call it the champion leadership strategy session, because um, I want leaders to lead like a champion. And so they can schedule their time with me and, you know, we can you know, I can help them get some clarity about their situation. And so um, that's how we can, we can connect. Thank you so much. And uh, Jamal, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. And if anybody wants the, the URLs to go to, uh, you know, the links, they will be, uh, you know, with the podcast, wherever you get your podcast, will also be on the Go After Your Passion website. Uh, and so thank you so much for being here today. I've learned a lot and, and I, I know that you'll help a lot of people with your passion. Thank you, I appreciate it. It was great to be on. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Christina. Now, go after your passion.